The trade deadline is coming up. We play Stangin or Clangin to lead off the show. Plus, we talk about a rookie in Mark Williams and a veteran in Terry Rozier. All today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> it's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, by the way. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on Doug is standing up he's wearing a sick shirt he's allowing us to see the grandmama shirt the hat is great everything is just working for Doug and you can see him on YouTube if you watch us that way you can check out his box score or excuse me his sub stack I don't know what your box score would say what kind of stats do you think you would put up if we showed a Doug Branson box score and had a basketball card quadruple double cheeseburger Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. Everyhornetsboxcore.com. That's where you can check out his sub stack. But just real quickly before we dive into the trade deadline stuff, I haven't checked out the YouTube numbers yet. We used to give people incentives for you to dress like Grandmama. Mm-hmm. That was a thing back in the day. And then that was for, like, Facebook. We realized that Facebook really ain't popping like that no more. And so we decided to go to YouTube. But then YouTube absolutely was. Man, are we at, like, 3,500 subscribers right now? What number are we at? Yeah, thirty five hundred. We said five thousand on YouTube. So once we get to five thousand, and I think it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen when the Hornets, when they take a ping pong ball out, and it shows the Charlotte Hornets in the number one spot. I'm speaking it into the universe. Please do. And they get Wimby. I think we shoot up to five thousand, and then I'll dress like Grandma Ma. Immediately, I'll do it. I mean, we'll, you know what's we'll funny? You know what's funny about the dressing like the Grandma Ma thing? So I went to a very. I wanted to get the whole shebang i wanted to do the pillbox hat that grandmama wore and get the whole thing so i i found a pillbox hat that looked exactly like the one that he wore in the reebok commercial and it was on this very small website boutique website for for a shop in new york city and it's always a scary thing when you're buying anything on the internet except for like amazon you know it's it's tough to trust anything out there these days right. so i buy this hat and weeks go by. I bought it really for a Halloween costume that I was going to do with the grandma costume. It doesn't come by Halloween. I email these people a thousand times, never hear anything back. I'm like, it was, it was like 10 bucks. So I'm not going to like call the credit card company or cancel the thing or anything. But like two weeks ago, it shows up just randomly. No contact <laughs> from the shop. There's a pill. Bo- I'm like, what is this thing? I open it up. It's a pill box hat. Anyway. Did it look like what it should have on the pictures? Or did I was it look perfect. Yeah. Different? Oh, I got, nicely, I got nicely packaged. I got a job, uh, basically an awful, awful gift from when I ordered the Michael Jordan Barcelona style T-shirt. And it was not the Barcelona style T-shirt Michael <laughs> Jordan was wearing. In fact, the front was printed on it. And then the back was completely white. It wasn't even the same pattern on yeah. both. And so that did cost more than 10. It was right. like 20, 25. But learn your lessons, kids. Okay. Amazon and then select sites. <laughs> I just don't trust a whole lot else out there. I just opened the box and it's just a trucker hat and a, and an actual pill box. <laughs> like one uh, of the things that they gotcha. used to organize Monday through Friday and a, yeah, and a note that says, gotcha. No, no, it was. Damn it looks beautiful. Brutal. And I can't wait for everyone to see it. 
All right, 5,000 subscribers, and that's how you see it. That's how you do it, baby. Doug Branson, Grandmama, one in the same. Let's talk about the trade deadline. Stangin' or Clangin', we tried to create a few different variations of the game because you liked the phrase, and then you decided to copy and paste it to really every game we could come up with. And so instead of going with the whole deal or no deal thing, Stangin' or Clangin', it Mm -hmm. was in existence. And so now what I basically do is I take pictures, I copy and paste myself. I try to figure out what kind of trades are out there put forth from any NBA pundit. And this one comes from, I believe the dunked on annual trade deadline podcast by Nate Duncan, by the way. And so we'll go over a couple of these before we move on to the next segment. The first one is between Charlotte and Brooklyn. So Doug, you're Mitch Kupchak and you got to tell, Brooklyn, if this thing is staying or clanging. So Brooklyn calls you up and says, Hey, we're willing to give you Cam Thomas. Okay. Dayron Sharp. I'm listening. And our 2026 second round pick in exchange wow. for Mason Plum Dog Millionaire and Jalen McDaniels. So Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, 26 second round pick in exchange for Mason Plumley, Jalen McDaniels. Is Mitch saying that's stanging or is he clanging the phone as he hangs up? Well, I think I think that's clanging. Honestly, that's too much. I mean, that's that's you know, Plumlee. Look, I I we talked about is Plumlee worth the first round pick on yesterday's episode, and and I think for a team desperate enough for for that backup center position that that does have a lot of draft capital, you I, I can envision it's it's a low probability, but I can envision a scenario where that happens. But I'm willing to accept second round draft capital back for Plumley. I'm willing to accept second round draft capital and prospects for Jalen McDaniels. But to package both of those players together and get back two players who haven't really been able to crack Brooklyn's rotation in any kind of serious way and only a second round pick that's probably not going to be even a great second round pick for both of those players, I think that's crazy. I'm, I'm hanging up the phone immediately. Yeah, I'm not doing it either. And I so and and I have a prediction here. Doug, you know, from from going to YouTube, we find out very quickly which players have the stands and which players do not. And mm-hmm. then we know what players have the vocal stands. I feel like there is a case of vocal stands out there for Cam Thomas. I think that is a thing, if I'm not mistaken. So just get ready for some possible backlash if you care about that kind of thing in the YouTube comment section. I don't, I don't know for sure. <laughs> But that might happen. Um, but with Cam, the guy can fill it up. There's no doubt. He can catch mad fire. But at the same time, I think getting rid of Jalen McDaniels, who is turning 25 today, happy birthday. Maybe he would like that to go to a contender uh, turning 25. So maybe that would be the thing. And there's enough of an age gap for that to be at least somewhat considered, right? Like if you believe in Cam Thomas, he's only 21 years old. If you believe in Dayron Sharp as maybe a backup to Mark Williams, and you never have to worry about center depth again, even losing Mason Plumley. He's only 21 years old. I like Dayron Sharp in the pre-draft process. But McDaniels being 25, he's the type of guy that allows you to fill out other parts of your roster while having him just go out there and help in any way possible. And he's not going to cost a lot of money. I, I, I'm I totally with you on what you would get back in return for Mason. I would do that for a couple of second round picks for sure. Uh, McDaniels, I want more than, a, than second round picks or even these guys right now. So, no, I'm not doing that either. Clanging. It's official for both of us. Yeah, I, I so, hope that Jalen McDaniels doesn't end up costing the, the franchise a ton of money. I, look, I think Jalen McDaniels can be a, a really good 
rotation piece when when you need a little extra defense. I, I I'm gonna say that I'm kind of in the camp where I don't 100% believe in his offense and cl- and especially like clutch offense, like just shot making ability. I'm not totally all the way there with Jalen McDaniel, so I hope that that the Hornets don't break break the bank at some point to to retain him. And, and I think he honestly could serve you know more valuable as a trade piece than as sort of a long-term prospect for the team. I just believe that. Now, he could totally prove me wrong and change some things. But you look back at that Miami game, <laughs> I'm a little worried for his safety, honestly, if he doesn't get traded. Because he, back in that Miami game, you know, the Hornets sort of were trying to throw that game away. And then it looked like they had everything sealed up. And inexplicably, Jalen McDaniels fouls Kyle Lowry on a three-point jump shot. Oh, with yeah, like With like just seconds to go. And they cut away to Steve Clifford. And he was just like, what, how, why, what, what, what do you, I like, I'm afraid for Jalen McDaniel's <laughs> safety if he's going to continue to make plays like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that, again, they can get a deal done with one of these players, Mason Plumley or Jalen McDaniels, but that's just too, that, I don't love that package for both of those players combining those. All right, the next one, then we can move on. It's for Kelly Oubre, and okay. this time it's Rob Palenka calling you. The Lakers, they're calling right. you and saying, okay. We'll give you old Pat Beverly, the junkyard dog. We'll give sure. you Pat Bev for a 2025 and, and excuse me, Pat Beverly and a 2025 second round pick in exchange for Kelly Oubre. So again, Pat Beverly, 2025 second in exchange for Kelly Oubre. Deal or no deal, staying in or clanging. What say you? I got to look up the Pat Beverly contract, but I mean, my instinct initially says staying in because. I think that Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumley are your two most tradable assets. They, they feel like those are the two pieces that are going to be easiest to move. And if I had a if I have any prediction to make about the trade deadline, it's that the Hornets have the will to deal. They they seem like they've been in all of these conversations, so they are willing to go out there and make a deal. I think they can go out there and make the easy deals, but the easy deals are probably going to eventually come down to a second round pick and and some kind of asset that is either easily waivable or is a rookie scale uh, situation. And so I, I think they could get this deal done and you bring Pat Bev, you know, yeah, he would bring a certain attitude to the team. He, he's been around a, a lot of stars. He's, he has a lot of experience. I don't know what his mood would be like necessarily going from the Lakers to the Hornets. That would be a tough, that'd be, that'd be a tough switch. So, you don't, uh, you know, it would really depend on what kind of Pat Bev you're getting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like this deal on his face, but I'm going to look up this contract. Well, no, it's 13 million and then it's done. So, okay, I mean, that, perfect. Then that, I love it. Stangin'. Yeah, zero, zero contract problems there. I mean, you know, and and you look at his stats, the the three-point shooting, it's not great, 34% from him, but we know it's all about the attitude. We know it's all about defense for him up there on the perimeter. Did you see him have one of the greatest technical fouls of all time when he got somebody's camera from the stands and then showed it to the officials? He he went and got a camera and then he went to the official like and a phone or like an actual cuz that would be weird if the it, camera, it like, I think it was, it was Nikon. So, so, so gets a camera, shows the back of it to the official and talks about, you know, trying to provide evidence in favor of whatever he was arguing. And then the official tees him up and it's one of the greater ones. Yeah, I think I'm doing this too. And really, Doug, what you're doing here is you're getting a second round pick, right? I mean, Pat, Pat Bev is, is moving on. You're getting some defense, I guess, this year. But really, all this is doing is getting a second round pick from the Lakers. 
And the, the only question here is how much do you value Kelly Oubre to keep him for the rest of this season and just, you know, experience the memories of one more half season, not even because I don't think they're going to resign Kelly, especially if there are rumors about them resigning PJ, especially if there are rumors of them resigning Jalen McDaniels and they value him. There's a man out here and Kelly along with a possible, you know, uh, Mason Plumley. Those are the guys that are out. So I don't think they're going to keep Kelly. I'll just take the second round pick because I, I don't, I don't value the memories that we're going to get from Kelly Oubre the second half, right? Like Montrez Harrell, I would be down to have him in, you know, a, a 30 game sample, but I'll just take the second round pick essentially. No, he's evolved. Look, he's evolved his game. Uh, we know that he's gone from tsunami poppy to tsunami father. He's done everything that that I think Coach Clifford wanted him to do. He was much more aggressive defensively this season, and, and I think at this point you say thank you. Uh, you're going to get healthy mm-hmm. again. You're going to go play for a contender. Congratulations. Thank you for your service. I mean, I think that's what this all comes down to. I, I don't honestly. I don't think that there are going to be a ton of hurt feelings from any of these players. Jalen McDaniels, Mason Plumley. Kelly Oubre, these are all guys that understand how the game is played, and, and and they haven't been around a super long time where, and it's a new coach situation too. It's not like they've been with a certain coach for many years, and now they have to, now they're getting shipped out. You know, they're going to be in better situations. So, you know, I I think uh, that this is a per, the perfect kind of deal, and I could see a similar deal being done for Mason Plumley. And if we trade Mason Plumley, that leads us to our next question. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Is Mark Williams ready for all that playing time? Would you want to start Mark Williams since Mason Plumley would no longer be on the roster? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. But not before we talk about FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, that's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party. FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no uh, no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line, to point spreads, to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So you can join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Are you ready for Mark Williams to start? We talk about that coming up next. Locked on Hornets. A lot of people were calling for Mark Williams to enter the rotation sooner than he did. But now, Doug, we have a 20-game sample size of the first-round rookie coming out of Duke. And if you look at it, numbers are kind of similar to what he did last year as far as the free throw percentage goes. Shot 75% last year at Duke, shooting 75% this season on two Mm -hmm. attempts per game. Mm -hmm. He's shooting 63% from the field, which, you know, I hope he would because he dunks everything seven points per game for Mark Williams, five rebounds needs to be a better defensive rebounder for sure. I mean, he'll, he'll even offensive rebound. That's something he's going to have to work on. Not quite a block per game, but we do know the effect that he has defensively. We do know that guards feel his presence as soon as they drive in the paint. And honestly, I think one of the best parts about Mark Williams, it's been that there is some mobility there on the perimeter. And a lot of people were really worried about his pick and roll defense 
because of how he got carved up against Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. Everybody remembers Caleb Love hitting the shot over Mark Williams, even though it was a deep three. Still, you had those long-lasting memories at the end of a season. But I'd always made the point that Mark improved a ton over his time at Duke. And what he's, I, it, it's crazy to see in every single step, he just continues to improve night in and night out. Steve Clifford just talked about it and in one of his more recent media availabilities that, yeah, Mark, it's, it's crazy what he's doing right now, improving the way he has. What say you on Mark being ready to start or not if they do trade Mason Plumley? I kind of have three tests. I have three tests when it comes to whether or not I feel like a young player is ready for either a starting role or just sort of a major rotation role. And that's the gets it test, the wants it test, and the debilitating mistake test. I mean, those are the three. You know, does he get it in terms of does he does he understand sort of how to play the defensive scheme that the coach wants him to play? Does he understand how to make positive plays happen on both ends of the floor, or at least on the end of the floor that he's responsible for? You know, because some players come in with like massive. Uh, offensive talent and they struggle on the defensive end. Okay, fine. Are they giving you enough offense to overcome the defense, that kind of thing, or vice versa? So I think he passes that test with flying colors. He wants it, obviously. I mean, every time he steps on the floor, you, you see a, a desperate uh, person that wants to, you know, become an NBA great, but, but he doesn't let that desperation cause him to make debilitating mistakes. That's the third test. It's honestly... Like, I feel like Nick Richards coming into this season passes two of those tests, but he still makes these mistakes that you're going like, what, what is going, like, what is happening? Why doesn't he understand, you know, where to be in certain situations, especially on the defensive end? So I think he passes all three of those tests. I think obviously he's ready to start for this team right now, but, Mm -hmm. but that's contextualized by the idea that this team is not ready to compete. I don't think Mark Williams is ready to start for a team at this moment in time that is ready to compete but give him an offseason, and I feel like he is going to get there much more quickly than, than I would have said early this season. But I've been super impressed with with a lot of things that Mark Williams has done this season. Yeah, I mean, I I love what you've gotten from him. I, I just think, it, so his first game in the rotation, it was against Portland. That came the day after Christmas, December 26th. He had, he had appeared in, in, in a few games at the very beginning of the season, but didn't play any more than seven minutes then uh, against Orlando when they lost by 20. So that was the that was the last time he would play for a long, long time, a couple months, and then boom, he gets in there December 26th. And he's really been a part of the rotation ever since. He got a DNP against Toronto. He had, you know, not even two minutes against Boston the first time they played in that back-to-back sequence they had. He had 540 against Phoenix. But other than that, he's been getting you about, 17 minutes per contest and he's given you 17 points twice that's been his season high he's posted that a couple times giving you double digits once against utah once against chicago a couple games ago and then defensively that's where you're feeling it as most so yes absolutely i mean if, if you trade mason Plumley, this is one of the benefits to that this is not a oh well i mean i'm okay with starting mark williams this is an absolute benefit for Mason Plumley mm-hmm. to go somewhere else and then free up more minutes for the guy that's not making any mistakes that does want it. And that is actually not hurting his team. Like that's let's just, we, we can sum that up into one test where how much are you hurting your team right now? And the answer is yeah. not, I mean, he's helping them as far as I'm concerned. I think he's making more helpful plays than he's making hurtful plays for this squad. 
Well, I think there are two big questions, right? The big question number one is sort of I feel like he is at a bit of a he'll be at a bit of a crossroads this offseason. And and it's either going to be he, you know, just gets super strong and super big and decides to be all right, I'm gonna be a physical rebounder that that gives you really that full package defensively. I can I can defensive rebound, I can knock guys out of the paint. I can move guards out of the paint. I can block shots. Okay, that's one way that he could go. He could also maybe he can't get there. Maybe maybe that's just not part of his build, and he's not going to get to that place. And he decides to do what Steve Clifford has been insinuating that he might need to do to further his NBA career, and that's develop a three point shot. And and as you mentioned, his free throw shooting has has maintained at seventy five percent. You know, free throw shooting is often an indicator of whether somebody can shoot. It has the ability to develop an outside shot for especially bigs. And so can he develop that three-point shot? Because if he does, that provides a differentiation point for the center position that the Hornets haven't had in a long time and will will cement his role because often the decision about which player starts has as much to do with that player and how well the team plays with that player on the floor as it does who else you have on the roster to play backup, right? And what skills they offer. You want some sort of counterbalance there. It's why you can't play Mark Williams and Nick Richards together right now because neither guy can shoot. Like that's the thing. If if Nick if either guys could shoot, you could play these guys together, but you can't do it. And so, you know, those will be the two, I think, interesting questions. Who do they look to to fill out the center position moving forward? Again, thinking that they're going to move on from Mason Plumlee. We're assuming that. And which direction does Mark Williams decide to sort of take his his career? Is it three-point shooting or is it going to be physical rebounder? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I And, and for me, I don't know if it, it's – I don't really care if he ever becomes a three-point shooter, to be honest with you. I, I don't care that much. And I know Steve Clifford has talked about that. It would be great. I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if you – okay, do you want three-point shooting or not? Uh, yeah, I'll take it for everybody. But I don't think he needs three-point shooting to become a good offensive player in this league. I mean, what Mark is already demonstrating is an ability to shoot from the foul line. And there are a lot of centers that are considered rim runners, that are considered lob threats, that can't even have the touch that Mark has right here, right now, not developing into it. But you can talk about 15, 20-foot shots away from the basket that Mark already feels comfortable taking. And so, yeah, you want him to be more physical. You want him to have... I mean, you want all that stuff that we've talked about at nauseum for Mark developing into a player. But if he never becomes a three-point shooter and he only extends his range out to what it is right now at 20 feet, then he can be a, a useful pick-and-pop player. He can be a useful pick-and-roll. He already is, to me, a useful pick-and-roll where I, I want him to roll faster. I want him to get to the rim faster, of course, and I think that's going to come with time, understanding, playing with Lamelo. Yeah, I just I don't see this you know, this necessity uh-huh. to be able to shoot three-pointers for Mark. I'm going to vehemently disagree with you, and here's really? why. Yeah. Yes, because if you have, as a big, if you have the ability to shoot, if if, if the coaching staff and your, and your team sees an ability for you to shoot and you don't pursue that as a big, to me, that's criminal when you think about what makes NBA teams success. To me, to, successful. To me, having a three-point shot as a center differentiates you in such a way that it almost makes it hard not to start you. I mean, look at the teams that have been successful in the playoffs year after year. It's teams that can go five out. What Which teams give the Hornets the most problems? Teams that can go five out. What, what does Clifford value a lot? Teams that can go five out. It, it is a huge 
uh, it is a huge factor in what teams are successful in the playoffs and what teams actually get into finals contention. And I know it may be silly for some people uh, you know, listening to this show to think, well, you know, Hornets can't even get out of the play-in. What are you talking about finals contention for? But I think as as a staff, you should be thinking for, for all players. Are, are these players developing skills such that we can put a team together that will one day, you know, it, 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 several things have to go right, but for one day that we can, you know, play to contend in the playoffs. And I think that starts at the five position. It starts with Mark Williams developing a shot. I think he absolutely has to pursue that. All right, yeah, let's let's continue this conversation. We also have Terry Rozier to get to. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Yeah, we'll continue that Mark convo. What other areas he needs to improve on in order for him to maybe not realize his max potential, but just what we want him to be in the NBA, how he can continue to be an effective player. And then we'll get to Terry Rozier, what he means in the short term, what he means in the long term, and which one you value most as far as what he could bring in return in a potential trade before the deadline. That's all still to come here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Let's continue the Mark convo about him shooting threes. You know, for me, I guess I need to realize what we're wanting Mark to be. Like, how how effective in the NBA do you think he can be without shooting threes? And how does that compare to him actually being able to knock down that shot every now and then? Like, what what level of play can Mark reach if he never does hit three-pointers consistently in his career? He'll be he'll be a fine he could be a fine starting level big. I, I don't think he would I don't think he would reach all star status. I think he needs that. I think he needs a little something extra to, you know, uh, increase increase his role on the team. But here's the thing: I think you and I are having separate discussions almost because you're you're talking about sort of what would make Mark a a player that could be starter level, and I'm really talking about like what a team needs uh, from the center position to propel themselves into playoff contention. And what I'm saying is if Mark didn't have, if, if, if Mark didn't have that ability to shoot, then I would say, all right, well, he's got to focus on what his strengths are and like really focus on that. But if he has the ability to shoot, which it seems like, I mean, I don't think Clifford would say that if he didn't, if he has that ability, then I think he has to pursue that, you know, as much as he can. Sure. Yes. I am not, yeah, we are having, and that's what I wanted to clear up because clearly <laughs> that would be idiotic for me to say, "Hey, you can shoot, but let's let's just not work on this." I hope that is not something I conveyed and said to Mark Williams. Do not pursue three point shooting if that is within his repertoire. What I'm saying is, if it ever, if it if it's something that doesn't ever come consistently, I still think Mark with his skill set, like we we are talking about a very rare body that Mark has like that. That's one thing I, I wonder if people really get the guy's huge. And with all of that height, with that standing reach, the athleticism is really nice for that size. And the motor is great. And here we are talking about, I mean, somebody that I know that you valued in Rudy Gobert, right? Can't shoot. She can't shoot a lick from, from the outside, but defensively is somebody that's worth multiple first rounders and has that potential to become a defensive player of the year. Even if Mark Williams doesn't reach the three-time defensive player of the year that Rudy Gobert was, which is 100% unlikely. I mean, I, yeah, I'll, right. I'll take money on that all day that he doesn't reach that part. Mm -hmm. But if he even flirts with a couple of defensive player of the years without getting them, that's huge. And then as we talk about with the Hornets crawling before they walk, before they run, 
this is the franchise to discuss all of those steps. And so even, but, and the thing is, right? Like, yeah, pursue the three point shooting. It's, it's not, I'm not telling anybody to neglect that part of it. What I'm saying is, you know, bleep the three point shooting right now, like as far as what kind of player he can be, he can shoot 20 feet out and be good. And that puts a lot of pressure on the defense already. So now it's like, all right, well, great. I've got this seven, one dude that is actually athletic that dunks on everybody's head right now. And so then I'm going to roll hard to the rim. Oh, bleep. Now he's out there at 20 feet. I'd completely left him alone and he can knock down that shot. That's hard to guard for anybody. And he's going to be taller than a lot of the centers. It's hard to guard, but not impossible to guard. Let me, let me (laughs) invite someone. Pretty damn tough but it's not impossible and that's what teams are looking for and that's what teams compete in the playoffs and that's what teams that the finals winning teams that's what they're impossible to guard okay let me invite let me invite someone into this conversation that we haven't talked about all show and and we have to mention him several times or uh David Locke the founder of the network comes and uh beats down our door LaMelo Ball let me invite LaMelo Ball into this conversation think about how <laughs> impossible it would be to guard the LaMelo ball, Mark Williams pick and roll. If Mark Williams all of a sudden was, was an Al Horford level, you know, three point shooter, that would be, it would be so difficult. It would put matchup problems all over the place for opposing defenses. And and I think that's, again, if he has that ability, if coaches have seen that, if he, if he, if he's seen that, if he understands that, if he feels confident now, if my, you know, if Mark doesn't feel, I don't think he should be forced upon him. If Mark doesn't feel like he can, if he doesn't have that confidence, you can't teach confidence, right? I mean, especially in shooting. So, like, if he doesn't have it, then he doesn't have it. But if he's got it, then I think it's it sure. might be the most critical sure. factor in determining both how competitive this team can be in the future with him as starting center and how high his ceiling is as a player. Yeah, don't neglect the three-point shooting if it's within your skill set. So 100%, we can agree Why are you that. telling him not to th- shoot threes? Why are you doing that? Why are you limiting I am him? Telling you are you, limiting I, I, I want you to sit on the couch, eat potato chips, drink a lot of soda, and just Zion Williamson commercial. <laughs> do, do stand up, just, just stand up and dunk it and not even jump. You know, I don't even want to be able to slide a piece of paper between your feet and the court. I just want you to stand there like a statue under the goal. Let's talk about Terry Rozier. Three point shooting already a part of his repertoire. And we've seen that. Not it was not a very good season for him, but this last month, Terry Rozier has caught fire, he Doug. And certainly it comes at the right time. Terry Rozier, the trade stock, it can only go up based off what he was doing before the month of January. And now here we are, you know, just over a week before the trade deadline. We've talked about how much he can bring in return. It, it's a really hard value to gauge because of that contract. So how do you compare keeping Terry long term to sending him away at the trade deadline? I think it would obviously help if they didn't have his contract. It would help them maneuver somewhat in future free agencies, right? It's not even about ne- this next offseason. And this contract goes several years. So it just opens up possibilities. But at the same time, I don't necessarily trust this front office to actually take advantage of that opportunity. So that, that to me, is a mark against moving Terry. It's like you, you could have that opportunity all day long, but if you, you don't feel like this – front office is going to be aggressive enough with the opportunity, then why not just keep the player that is exciting to watch that can do things in the fourth quarter that make crowds stand up and cheer doesn't have the name value that someone like LaMelo does, but you have LaMelo. So he brings the name value and, and they both have the capability of putting on a show in the fourth quarter. Now, 
if they are as bad as we think they're going to be and they take the keys away from Steve Clifford, they have the potential not only to bring Wimby, but if they lose out, they have some other options at the two and three spot and, and Scoot and, and Cam and some other guys that you could slide into a starting role at some point and make Terry Rozier a sixth man, the best sixth man that you would have in years. So, like, that, that is crucial. Now, do you think that Terry would move from starter to sixth man next season or the season after that? That's something that you have to kind of gauge as an organization if you think that's possible. Because I think one thing we understand now is that the Terry and LaMelo backcourt is not going to work defensively if you are serious about contending unless LaMelo goes into the lab this offseason and – the, the LaMelo that we see guarding Jason Tatum, that we've seen guard some of the other stars, when those rare opportunities, when you're not hiding LaMelo on the fourth best offensive player on the floor, when you actually put him one-on-one ISO versus some of the best guys in the league, he locks it down. It's crazy to watch. It's just those are few and far between. So if he goes in the lab and, fi- and figures it out and the coaching staff finally trusts him on defense, you know, then we can talk. But until then, that that's not going to work. So... Yeah, I, I think there's arguments on both sides, but I'm saying like it's not a guarantee that moving Terry would like all of a sudden, you know, super help this team. I think there is an argument on the other side. Yeah, I my, and last question, I guess, before we can end it, because because defensively, that's the problem between these two guys starting and right. playing alongside each other for sure. Offensively, I do think because of their ability to shoot and handle the ball a little bit. I value having another ball handler alongside LaMelo. I think that really helps, especially with LaMelo's catch and shoot. And so I'm totally fine with trading Terry. You know how I feel about the contract. I I wonder how much they value a ball handler in the backcourt alongside LaMelo, right? Like just how good that person is. And, And for lack of a better word, just to clean it up for everyone, just a true point guard. Do you put a true point guard alongside LaMelo, who is also just a fantastic facilitator? And I think you talk about impossible to guard. I mean, goodness gracious, man, that's going to be really tough. It's why I value a Scoot Henderson. If they can't get Wimby, clearly Wimby is in a tier all by himself, and I want Wimby more than everybody. But after I'm done sulking for 24 hours, I am going to be happy if they do get the second overall pick because I like the idea of having that combo guy that can ball handle and put and put pressure on the rim and also facilitate. Like that would be that that's something I do value with this team. And so you'd be missing that a little bit, but defensively we've come to realize that it's just not going to work between these two. And so it's all about what kind of value you can get back in return for Terry. Yeah, or alternatively, can you find another guy? in one of those other three slots, you know, the two forward positions or the center positions. Why, again, that's why I think Mark Williams shooting threes would be important because there has to be some pressure taking off Terry to go out there and score 30 because Terry has the ability to defend. I don't think he's incapable of defending. He had four steals in, in that uh, third quarter against, against Miami. Like he has the ability to turn things, turn the game around defensively if he can focus on that. But if he's got to go out there and he feels the pressure to go out there and score 30 and take 20 shots, then you can't also ask them to go play a bunch of defense. They have done that this season, and, and it's been to their detriment. And he's he's tried. But so, you know, they've got to get some other offensive answer alongside LaMelo so that you can ask Terry to go out there and do it on the defensive end. 
That's it. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube and make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.